Megan, you need those pills to help you feel better. Treacherous Tony can help you. Um, uh... Megan, no! Don't listen to him! It's dangerous! Oh no... Hey there, sweetheart. Looking for something special? Um, uh... I've got this strange feeling something's not right. Captain Chaos, come on. We need to go investigate. Investigate? But I just bought a new yo-yo. <sighs> oh my goodness. I just don't get it. Hold it right there, treacherous Tony. We know what you're up to. And we won't let you harm innocent people. You can't stop me. I've got connections. We're not afraid of your connections, Tony. We're here to protect the community. And make sure Megan gets the help she needs legally. Thank you, officers. You are absolutely welcome, Megan. Remember, folks, there's legal ways to get the help that you need. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. And if you ever need a helping hand, Sergeant B-Safe and Captain Chaos are here to save the day. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Welcome to Black and Blue, the podcast that's just for you. We bring solutions to everyday problems. We are here to humanize the badge. By interviewing first responders and discussing their trainings, experiences, and publications. Black and Blue airs weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in.
Start the show. Let me get this off the screen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or evening for me that here on the East Coast. Good afternoon to those of you, or good day to wherever you're watching on the in the world. We are on Black and Blue. This is the podcast that is just for you. We go live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time weekly. And when we go live, we go live with a special guest, a special guest that is either a first responder or in law enforcement themselves. And we, whether they're rookie, whether they're seasoned, whether they're retiree. And then when we go live, we discuss their trainings, their publications, and their experiences. And this won't be a short show for you today. We're going to bring it. We're going to have a lot of fun. I got a special guest. He's already backstage. I'm going to introduce him in a minute. But first things, we, we got to get some things out there. So you guys already know. I'm your host. I'm Coach Clay. I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker coming at you. We are streaming right now on five different platforms. So depending on whatever platform you are, make sure you hit that like button. All right. We're on two pages on Facebook. We are on two pages on YouTube, and we are on one on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, the comment section, I can't, what I post on here, I can't, it doesn't show up on LinkedIn. I don't know why they won't let me post, but it is like that. I can't see who's on here also. So if you're looking for a shout out, make sure you put your name and where you're from in the comment section, and I'll give you that shout out that you're looking for. This is a live interaction, so therefore, if you have a question, you're going to have to put that in the comment section as well, and we will address it as soon as we can, all right? Understand there's about a, maybe a, a five to ten second delay from the time that you post it to the time that we see it, but we will address it as soon as we can, and if you don't address it while we're live, we will address it afterward uh, during the replay itself, all right? So make sure you guys tag, like, and share. We go live, and we have a lot of fun doing it. This platform is sponsored by One Way Publishing. One Way Publishing is a publishing company that sponsors us, sponsors Sardin Be Safe. You got to see one of the commercials at the beginning of this platform. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That's one of the newer ones. Also, I published five books myself through One Way Publishing. Some of them are behind me. Some of them, uh, you, you can't see them all, are clients that have come through One Way Publishing themselves. Whether you ever wanted to write a book, that's the publishing company that you want to use. Their motto is they can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. So whether you wanted to write a fiction, nonfiction, uh, autobi autobiography, or a cookbook, a children's book, whatever you it may be, that is who you want to write your book. But I, they can explain it a lot better than I can. Stand by and watch this quick commercial, and we'll come right back. Publishing. Have you ever wanted to explain something, tell a story, or leave a piece of you behind? Have you ever wanted to write your own book, but not specifically know how to do it? Well, get ready. One Way Publishing's here. We can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. People need to learn from you. They need to hear that story. Kids need to read that book. Imagine if you wrote your own children's book and get to read it to your kids. Here at One Way Publishing, we can get your fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, instructional, what have you, done. All at a reasonable price and definitely a reasonable time frame. And if you don't believe me, ask Sergeant Be Safe. He's working on his right now. He's definitely writing the best chapter of his life. Make sure you check out his cartoon skits that air on the podcast Black and Blue. As Sergeant B. Safe said, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.
And that is one way publishing. You see the, the website scrolling below, workwithclee.com. It's also in the comments section. And speaking of books and publications, got to give a shout out to uh, Captain Tom Rizzo, former guest on the show. I got to get uh, his, I got to go to his training yesterday. Got to get his challenge coin. Uh, he's a former guest and he had a wonderful training here in the area. I got, I already had his book. You know, we already discussed that. Uh, instead, I got to bring the book to the training and I got it signed by him. Can you see it? Yeah, we'll discuss it further more next week. You'll be able to see better uh, pictures. I know the light's blind, uh, blocking it out. Also, former guest on the show, Darren Birch. Uh, he, I got, we discussed his first book, but we uh, he sent me Twisted But True, the second version. I mean, part two and part three. And he also signed this book and put a nice inscription. Make sure you guys check him out, former guest on the show. We'll discuss those a little further. But, you know, this is where we discuss publications, trainings, and experiences. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we discussed, we talked about that and I will have a follow-up show, especially with Tom Rizzo, because I got to get a quick one-on-one, uh, interview with him. So we'll get to highlight that, but, um, more what we're discussing right now, we got chief Daryl Lowe, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you don't already know him, make sure you guys check him out. Make sure you guys check out what he's doing in his area. If you're looking for a job, his department is hiring. He's the current chief of Redmond Police Department. He's got over 31 years of service in law enforcement. He's a leader, he's a crime fighter. He's community engagement. He comes with academic experience for the, the job field itself. He brings compassion. He brings customer service style policing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we ask for in today's world of policing. I introduce to you and bring to the stage Chief Daryl Lowe. Chief, are you there? I am, Clay, thank you very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for making yourself available and coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so you said, uh, I'm Daryl Lowe. I'm the uh, chief of police in uh, Redmond, Washington. Uh, coming up on uh, four years as the uh, chief of police here. Um, I did uh, 27 and a half years in uh, Santa Monica, California. Okay. Uh, uh, leaving there as a uh, captain in charge of the uh, investigative uh, division. Uh, I've been fortunate enough uh, to work in a variety of uh, assignments as I uh, rose up uh, you know, through the ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, and have been fortunate to, to work for two uh, uh, great departments and uh, you know great communities. Okay, perfect. Uh, and like you said, uh, you rose up through the ranks. What kind of uh, assignments did you have as you were coming up through um, your, your first department? So uh, as all municipal police officers, I started, out of, uh, started off in patrol. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll say cut my teeth, did my time there. I uh, had the opportunity to be a school resource officer. Okay. Um, Working with the uh, you know the, the youth and in, in, uh, in the Santa Monica community, um, I then uh, had the opportunity to work uh, uh, a bicycle patrol uh, in Santa Monica. They have a, a place called Third Street Promenade, which is a uh, pedestrian entertainment uh, uh, type district. Uh, best job ever. Got to ride a bike, wear uh, shorts and tennis shoes, and then they paid me for it. Um, uh, from there, uh, promoted, became a supervisor, went back to patrol, um, spent some time in uh, internal affairs. Okay. Uh, and uh, promoted again, uh, became a lieutenant, um, uh, went to investigations, and I spent uh, more than half my career uh, on the investigative side of the house. Uh, actually, I went to investigations as a sergeant. Uh, when I promoted uh, as a lieutenant, I got the opportunity to uh, go back uh, to investigations. Uh, and then at a point um, uh, in that particular department, they have a uh, XO spot. Uh, so for those that are familiar with military, uh, so I was the XO for the uh, deputy chief uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and I firmly believe that that is uh, what um, uh, really prepared me or kind of put me over the top for the role of chief because in that organization, 
uh, the deputy chief ran the day-to-day -day operations, so I had the opportunity to see the back end of uh, police work. I knew the uh, technical, functional side um, mm -hmm. to learn about, you know, contracts and interlocal agreements and then all those types of things, the back end of the house. Uh, that was where I cu uh, cut my teeth um, in that particular uh, arena. Uh, and then, like I said, I promoted the captain uh, and then was given the opportunity to come lead uh, the Redmond Police Department, uh, you know, four years ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, like you just said, you're, you're the current chief of police of Redmond Police Department. What are some of your responsibilities as uh, as a top dog chief of police there? Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's keeping my community safe, um, um, you know, taking care of the uh, women and men that, that work for me, both as commissioned police officers and support staff, uh, you know, crafting the, uh, you know, the, the mission and vision for the department. Uh, but it's also being part of uh, um uh, you know, a city team, right? So we're one of nine departments uh, within the yep. city. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm there with the other other directors uh, mm -hmm. and we help, uh, you know, run the city in all aspects. Obviously my side of it is, is the law enforcement side of public safety. Uh, my partner uh, on the fire side of the house, we, you know, we take care of the safety piece, but then obviously there's public works, all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's to be, um, you know, accessible uh, to the community uh, is to create that, that vision uh, and lead the department. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, thank you for explaining all that. I want to take a couple steps and back up just a little bit. What gave you the burning desire to actually want to get into law enforcement? Uh, I know we all have our own stories, our quirks, things about us that, you know, we want to serve, we want to help, we want to protect people, so many different things. What what gave you your burning desire? You know, I, I, I wish you, it, it was this, you know, uh, deep, intrinsic, you know, I want to save the world and make a difference. Uh, I was... Uh, in my mid-20s, uh, you know, uh, single at that point, um, I, you know, it, it was a good job. Uh, mm -hmm. I got to wear a uniform, um, you know, but in all seriousness, I have a, um, a godfather who uh, did about 35 years with the Los Angeles Police Department. So it was around me and I knew of it uh, and I'll age myself. So at the time I grew up, that was uh, Ponch and John, uh, Miami Vice, you know, uh, those types of things. And going back a little bit further, you know, Adam 12, Dragnet. Um, you saw those things as kids, uh, and it is, uh, you know, in my opinion, the humblest uh, uh, or noblest profession out there. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you have the opportunity to have a positive impact on people's lives and on a community, uh, and, and that's that that deep intrinsic piece, and that's what's kept me, you know, in the profession, um, you know, for 31 plus years. Right, that's no easy feat to do. So I, I uh, congratulate you on that for making it over three decades in, in law enforcement. I know that you've seen and done, you've seen a lot of changes throughout here. Uh, and I know that you've uh, been a part of those changes as well. Um, but let me ask you this, with Redmond Police Department, what makes your department stand out from the rest that you, that you pride yourself on uh, with your department? And what kind of visions do you do you have for your department moving forward? So for, for, for Redmond, um, you know, my vision for us is to be uh, a premier law enforcement agency, you know, in Washington. I, I want to be the department that others want to replicate because mm -hmm. of the programs uh, that we um, either start or participate in uh, the technology. We're home to Microsoft, uh, obviously, you know, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. Mm -hmm. um, we also are of a size that makes us, um, uh, I'll say the perfect sized uh, police department to test and evaluate emerging technologies within the field or space of law enforcement so that we can, uh, you know, I'll say, validate 
uh, you know, some of these software programs are different things because before a company can approach a NYPD, a LAPD, the, you know, the, the big players, they have to uh, test and evaluate in real field circumstances. And for a department uh, my size, uh, we are the perfect, uh, you know, size for some of those projects. Uh, and we have partnered with uh, some of our uh, businesses and tech companies uh, okay. to be um, uh, early adopters, uh, if you will, of uh, technology. Uh, one uh, company in particular, and it's not a, a pitch for a company, but there's uh, some GPS uh, technology that um, uh, is utilized to, uh, I won't say prevent high-speed chases, but to minimize the need for high-speed chases. Uh, okay. So we're one of a handful of agencies that are participating in a pilot program um, okay. to evaluate the efficacy of that particular uh, device and technology. And if, if that proves effective, uh, there's a potential that the state may require that to be uh, required equipment uh, for law enforcement agencies. So that's what uh, what my vision is, is to is to be willing to, uh, I'll say, take a chance, take a risk, albeit a calculated risk, uh, but to help better our profession in, in any way that we can. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know that'll be a huge benefit. Uh, I know um, pursuits, traffic accidents in itself. Uh, are a huge uh, proponent for injuries while on the job. Uh, and then when you ante it up and you're in a pursuit after fling felon or whatever the incident may call for, uh, that just heightens the, the chances of that the suspect getting injured, uh, the officer getting injured, or uh, innocent bystanders who have no idea what's going on until they're right in the middle of it, them getting injured as well. So to mitigate those problems, uh, to have technology to be able to mitigate those problems is a wonderful and beautiful thing, especially coming from uh, ever evolving careers such as this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So can you share some some success stories uh, some of your officers may have had or some of the experiences that you yourself has, has had that you would like to share with us here on this platform? Wow. Uh, so I, I would say from uh, uh, a success, um, uh, you know, perspective, uh, you know, coming into an agency, uh, you know, from the outside, you know, presents its own, uh, you know, set of challenges uh, because, you know, uh, organizations have have culture. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you come in, you're, you're the outsider, you're the new guy, but to, to come in. Um, and be and be given the opportunity to I'll say elevate or improve upon um, a, a culture and an organization is is a tremendous um, uh, honor and you know and an opportunity. Uh -huh. uh, my particular community, uh, light rail is, is coming to this uh, particular area uh, in Redmond. Um, it, it's work. It, it exists in uh, other parts of the region, but it's making its way over here to Redmond. Uh, one of the uh, uh, big uh, successes, if you will, uh, that I had while I was in uh, Santa Monica was uh, one of the projects that uh, I worked on was uh, to reconfigure uh, the patrol beats or patrol districts uh, around uh, a light rail system because light rail uh, came back to the Santa Monica area after uh, about a four decade uh, absence. Uh, so I was the architect uh, of that uh, reorganization. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not saying I did it myself, but I was responsible for the, the, the project team uh, that actually, uh, you know, looked at the data, spoke with the, you know, the residents, all the things that go into a big project like that. And then ultimately what happened was we uh, changed the uh, patrol, uh, patrol uh, beats from eight down to four uh, because that particular rail system uh, runs at grade, which means it runs at street level. So it runs right down the middle of the street. Um, and so uh, what we what we did was uh, we changed the, the patrol philosophy 
uh, to go uh, east and west as opposed to north and south, so they didn't have to traverse the uh, train tracks. Because in a perfect storm, you would have an inbound and an outbound train at the same time, and that would delay emergency response. Um, so that was a, a significant undertaking, but uh, at the same time, because of that uh, accomplishment, um, I firmly believe that's what uh, secured the job for me here in Redmond because I have that experience of uh, police operations around a light rail system. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. And thank you for sharing. I mean, that's not something that you hear of reconfiguring district zones, beats, whatever may have you. Uh, it's necessary, especially for the, the uh, problems that you had, but it's not always easy to do because uh, one thing us in law enforcement and first responders that we hate the most is change. But the one thing we preach about is we want things to change. But then when we, we get things to change, we're upset about it. So actually jumping on board, being the spearhead for that uh, and getting that going and then having everyone jump on board. I'm pretty sure that was uh, you met its challenges in itself. <laughs> it was. And I, I would say that the big takeaway and lesson uh, from a uh, from a community perspective or a community engagement perspective, uh, your residents don't don't really care what you know patrol beat or district they're in they recognize other uh nuances and aspects uh of their particular city uh mm -hmm. so as long as that was not impacted they didn't really care where a, a district line or a beat line was but we did take that you know uh, into account uh and then the other part and this is you know i'll, I'll call the you know, the administrative nerdy geeky part right um from a from a data and a statistical perspective you still also have to take into account the ability to have that historical perspective for crime trends um and, and patterns and so we have to take that into account also because if you uh change it significantly then you have no baseline data to go back to so to be able to take that into account so it was to say it was a complex undertaking i i, I think is some of, the, uh, of an understatement but there are a lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of dynamics. Oh, who's calling? Sorry about that. Anyone calling that's reprehensible, they should be watching this live instead of calling here and interrupting the show. My apologies on that distraction. <laughs> so therefore, I understand um, your department is also hiring, correct? Yes. What are some... Well, uh, for anyone who's looking to get in, what are some advancements? Or, or, of course, we all know once you get into police work, nine times out of ten, you're going to start off in patrol work, uh, work patrol for a few years uh, until you are able to advance into different assignments. What kind of assignments is re do you offer at your department? So, for us, as far as uh, specialty assignments, uh, we have a bicycle patrol. Bicycle patrol is, uh, is very uh, popular and prominent uh, here in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we have a canine unit. Uh, we have uh, detectives. Uh, we have a, a, a TAC officer position at our, our training academy. Um, and then we also have our uh, background and, and recruitment uh, personnel. Uh, we have a community engagement unit. Uh, and these are all, um, you know, non-patrol based assignments that folks mm -hmm. would have the opportunity, uh, you know, to participate in. Uh, and then as the department continues to, to grow, uh, then there may be the opportunity for additional uh, specialty assignments. Uh, like I said, we have light rail coming uh, operational here uh, in the area in um, uh, quarter two of uh, 2024. So that uh, will create a, a transit district. Uh, so that will also be a, a specialty assignment. And then the vast majority of these uh, specialty assignments come with uh, uh, what you want to call specialty pay or uh, add-ons or add-to-pays uh, as a result of the specialization. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
So therefore, uh, we come to the, the question that's always on the, the big buzzword for every department, uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, how, how, how do you go about um, regulating that, offering that to new recruits, to new hires, to making sure that you're meeting standards or quote unquote public standards, to having the department uh, not one way or another, but um, one that represents the community that it's in? So with that, it's it, it, it's like anything else. There, there has to be uh, intentionality behind it. Uh, it, it goes to um, both how you market, where you market, uh, mm -hmm. what you market, what you know, what images are you using uh, in you know in your recruitment. Um, you know, when I got here, uh, the, the police department was uh, uh, not incredibly diverse uh, from a, a racial perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I'm happy to say we have uh, about a 20% uh, female uh, officer uh, ratio, and, and that's happened very organically. Uh, for those in, in the business of tracking, uh, there is the uh, 30 for 30 initiative, um, and, and we are, you know, uh, approaching that number, um, like I said, uh, fairly organically. Uh, we do have um, uh, females both in our uh, executive uh, command ranks. Uh, we have supervisors. Uh, but we, we are uh, a medium-sized department. I have, uh, uh, I'm authorized 88 uh, commissioned uh, police officers. Uh, mm -hmm. I currently have 79 uh, officers and I've run about that same 10% uh, uh, vacancy rate for the time that I've been here. Uh, but, you know, through some very deliberative uh, uh, recruitment efforts on our part, uh, we've actually hired uh, 21 people year to date between uh, commissioned officers and support staff but my attrition rate every year is six to seven people. So even though I've hired, you know, yeah. uh, you know, a, a, a sufficient number, I still lost, you know, six, uh, you know, individuals. And, and, and it's an ebb and, you know, it's an uh, uh, ebb and flow, uh, you know, type of process. Uh, and then the other part is just uh, having a uh, department that is uh, desirable for people to come to because they, they are supported. Uh, we have tremendous community support. That's and funny. then our demographics from a city perspective is not your, uh, I'll say your uh, typical white, black, Hispanic. Uh, we have a lot of um, uh, Southeast Asian uh, population, a lot of uh, uh, Indian population. Um, and so our, our diversity uh, is would be different than others to truly reflect our community. And the, the challenge from a recruitment perspective there is uh, for some of these other uh, uh, cultures, uh, law enforcement is not a desired profession. And again, right. we are in the tech uh, area, uh, uh, both between, uh, like I said, the tech companies that exist, uh, but we also have a tremendous um, uh, space um, uh, industry here. So we have a lot of uh, very uh, highly technical, highly specialized uh, employment, and those are are the jobs that some of uh, you know some of our some of the cultures and demographics that we have here in Redmond they tend to gravitate towards and that is more valued in their culture. So you're, you're fighting against, um, you know, so, something that's, uh, you know, hardwired, deeply embedded cultural and, and, and money and those types of things, yeah. uh, especially from the public sector, uh, cannot uh, compete against that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. I did not know that. Uh, um, I'm being here on um, East Coast itself, not knowing uh, it, it's heavy on the tech, heavy in space culture. So that itself would be difficult because you have a different genre uh, uh, of folks that are in that area for work purposes, living in that area. Uh, to So it would be difficult to recruit when you, people are living in that area or moving to that area specifically for something totally different than actually being a first responder. Right. 
And we also, you know, have to, you know, acknowledge or recognize too that uh, the individuals that come here, you know, from uh, other countries, uh, law enforcement is viewed uh, very differently, and it's even. Um, I don't say constructed differently, but it, it's operated differently because a lot of times it's a, it's an offshoot of the military, or offshoot of the government, and then there may you know maybe issues of you know human rights or corruption or different things. So the, those those uh, variables also factor into you know uh, I'll say making inroads uh, you know into those communities. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Good points. All good points, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves and got your questions ready. We're going to pause for the calls. We're going to have a, uh, go to a quick commercial break with Sergeant Be Safe, and we're going to come right back and jump into this interview. So stand by. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... Hello, Sergeant B. Safe, Captain Chaos. I'm your new district attorney, Justin Case. Hello, Justin Case. Nice to meet you. Yes, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we're all on the same team. Yes, locking up bad guys. Let's go inside the courthouse and see the judge. We have bad guys to put away. You are absolutely right. Let's go inside and get to work. All rise. I am the Honorable Judge Mint. Good morning, Your Honor. Attorneys, present your closing arguments. I'm a defense attorney, Scott Free, and my guys didn't do it. The proof has been laid out, Judge. Sergeant B. Safe and Captain Chaos caught these guys red-handed. What you mean, red-handed? Order in the court! I find these three guilty on all counts. Ooh! Well, I'm out of here. I'm innocent. I didn't sell crap. What do you mean, crap. guilty? I don't hack. Urgh. Good work. Yes, job well done, team. I just want to say good job to our brand new district attorney, Justin Case. And from me and Captain Chaos, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. And we are back. I hope you guys enjoy those commercials. Um, most of those voiceovers, if uh, the local guys here in the area, you may recognize some of them. Check out those names. Give them the uh, gratitude. Give them their flowers. It's a lot of hard work that they do. Uh, I'm not a very patient person when it comes to getting those voiceovers in. So make sure you guys give them the high fives and the accolades. We're jumping right back here in this interview with Chief Daryl Lowe, the Chief of Police of uh, Redmond Police Department in Washington, not Washington, D.C., Washington State itself. I know most of you guys here on the East Coast are thinking East Coast here. Uh, Chief, I know we talked about uh, diversity and inclusion in demographics of your area and your department hiring at um, your attrition rate. Uh, you're hiring more and you're losing more uh, through retirement or um, or other whatever it may be. Uh, how difficult is it to fill positions with the stigma going around 
at least with the, the state of Seattle, uh, being difficult to work for as a first responder or law enforcement. Do you find that to be true or do you find that to be, you know, we're starting to come out of it and we're pro, you're being proactive and progressively policing? Yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, some truth uh, to that. Uh, there is a, a stigma, you know, around law enforcement in this, uh, you know, post, uh, you know, George Floyd uh, era and with all the, uh, you know, social justice and criminal justice reform, um, mm -hmm. you know, but it is uh, truly a calling. And there are a number of people that, you know, uh, are applying. Uh, but at the same time, just because a person applies, um, that does not make them a good fit, uh, you know, necessarily for, you know, for this department. So I would say for those that are interested, you know, uh, do your homework, you know, find out about the department, the culture and that type of thing, because not every department is suited for every person who yeah. may be able to pass the test and more importantly, the background. Um, and that's really where uh, the rubber meets the road. So a lot of candidates uh, can pass, uh, you know, the written and the physical test. But when it comes down to the background, that's where the vast majority of people uh, end up, you know, being disqualified and they get disqualified, you know, for a number of, of reasons. Um, you know, here in the state of Washington, uh, you know, marijuana is legal. Um, and while marijuana may be legal, you can't be in the parking lot, you know, uh, sparking up one before you walk in for your test or that type of thing, right? There, there, you know, if you make the decision, you know, you, you may have to give up some uh, creature comforts, um, you know, to be part of, you know, th this profession, because again, it, it is a, uh, a very noble profession, mm -hmm. um, you know, and or, uh, you know, my philosophy is, you know, we are hiring human beings. There, there, there is but one perfect person. Uh, so people can have, um, you know, issues in their background, but uh -huh. there, there needs to be a period of time between that issue and a demonstrated, uh, I'll, I'll say, improvement um, before you make that step. So don't think just because you've made a mistake in your past that that forever precludes you from, you know, this particular profession. Right. Uh, now, some things are a little harsher. I mean, you know, traffic violations, okay, but if we're talking, you know, like righteous crimes and felonies and those type of things, that, that some things they're, they're you can't recover from for this profession right. you know, or for very good reasons. Um, but yes, there are people out there. Uh, yes, we, you know, we are hiring, um, you know, and you have some individuals that, uh, you know, believe they can do it. But again, this job is not, you know, it is not for everyone. Right. And shout out to Jamon. Uh, uh, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tag, like, and share. He's got a lot going on right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but let me ask you this. The positions that you're hiring for, are are, are all the positions um, for entry-level patrol, or do you have some uh, uh, admin positions that are available as well? Uh, so right now, I'm actually uh, recruiting for a, a deputy chief, uh, so for a, for a number two. Uh, I'm also recruiting for a, a civilian commander. I have a, a civilian commander here in that position oversees uh, my dispatch center, my records, and my property and uh, evidence uh, mm -hmm. section. Um, and so that is a, uh, a support service position and, 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 and very intentional in the sense of uh, it, it was very important for me to ensure that there was a, a pathway to the executive table for my support staff. Right. Uh, because oftentimes, uh, you know, there, there's a path to, to the, you know, to the chief's chair, you know, uh, on the commission or sworn side, but mm -hmm. oftentimes on our support side, uh, those, they those opportunities are, are limited or there's only so far. Um, so for me, it's, it's important to ensure that, uh, you know, a member of my support staff can see that, you know, that they can have a path to the executive table. They can, uh, you know, um, 
uh, impact, you know, policy and direction. And, and my civilian commander, uh, truth be told, uh, it's the she right now. She actually runs more of my police department than uh, my sworn, uh, uh, you know, executive staff do. Okay. So uh, we have that. Uh, we also have a, a co-response uh, mental health program here. Uh, and so my uh, the, men, uh, the mental health professional that I had, she uh, uh, just recently left and took a, a job with the county to help uh, impact and influence uh, the uh, uh, King County's uh, mental health response. So while it, it, it hurt for us personally as a department, um, it, it, it's a huge, uh, I'll say, victory for her, but also a testament to this organization and the caliber of people that um, you know we're producing or, or, or putting out. And then that deputy chief position came as a result of uh, one of my captains uh, uh, getting a chief job in a neighboring city. Uh, and that's that's the third chief that's come out of this uh, organization in, in the last four years. Um, so the opportunity is there for, you know, for individuals. Uh, and then, like I said, I have 10 um, uh, entry level uh, police officer positions available. So uh, for those of you out there that are in the job market, uh, if you have uh, executive police experience, uh, I'm looking for a deputy chief. Uh, for the civilian uh, support folks out there, I'm looking for a civilian commander. Uh, and if you got the master's level uh, uh, social worker psychology degree, I'm looking for a co-responding uh, mental health professional. Uh, and of course, I'm always looking uh, for police officers. Gotcha, gotcha. So if anyone out there is listening and they're interested in, in applying, how would they go about doing that? Uh, they can go to redmondpolicejobs.com. Uh, it will have our, our listings uh, and you just fo uh, follow the links. Uh, you can... Um, uh, follow me or look at me on uh, LinkedIn. I've uh, posted uh, all of my uh, jobs uh, there uh, via LinkedIn as well. Gotcha. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's in the comment section and it's also scrolling below. So you have no excuse on why you couldn't find that link itself. Uh, we talk about in our community, uh, law enforcement and first responders about tr trust and transparency and community service. Uh, what is your vision or philosophy with your department and engaging with the community in more of a positive way? I know reading your uh, bio, you said you have a more customer service style policing. Can you explain a little bit more what that is? Yeah, so uh, here in Washington in the last uh, two years, there have been a number of uh, uh, legislative changes that have impacted uh, law enforcement. Uh, th there was a lot of unintended consequences because a lot of these changes uh, came about as a result of um, uh uh, community uh, groups having influence uh, over our, our elected officials, uh, you know, and it was just bad public policy. Uh, all that to be said is that uh, you had some departments where it wasn't clear uh, exactly um, when officers could uh, uh, use force or uh, and what cause of circumstances. So you had some departments that would not respond to uh, some calls. Uh, my philosophy is uh, you call, we come. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't get to point bigger and say, oh, you know, there's nothing we can do. Oh, it's the politicians. That, 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 that's not, uh, in my opinion, that, that's not right. Uh, we are here to uh, provide a service to the community. We need to show up. We, we can explain to them, you know, why we can't do certain things. Right. Um, but you don't get to just say, no, I'm not coming. That, that's not consistent with, you know, with the, uh, uh, with the uh, pillars of procedural justice. That's not neutrality. That, that's not giving people a voice. Um, you know, that's not explaining to people the why behind it, because people just want to understand the why. Um, so that, that's that part. And then uh, the other piece, as far as the uh, transparency is, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we are not always going to get it right. Uh, if you don't get it right, uh, own it, uh, own it quickly. You know, we messed up. Here's what we're going to do to make sure that we don't mess up again. Um, mm -hmm. you know, 
it, t tell tell your story yourself um, because other people will tell a version of your story and, and then you're responding to that version as opposed to just getting out in front of it and if you if you mess up you mess up um, and then the other piece of that as far as the transparency uh, and I think it goes back to uh, you know, having a voice, right? Uh, we all know that this this profession uh, uh, has been responsible for some atrocities and professions, and historically, uh, you know, has traumatized uh, you know communities and, and communities of color. Um, right. and yes, that that trauma, you know, uh, is real. But if we can't come to the table and have conversations, yeah. how are we ever going to get beyond that? We we have to create new experiences. Uh, we can't deny the past but we can create a, a different and better future together, but we have to be willing to come sit down and have those hard conversations. Right. Um, my approach to it is this, and I, and I say this, um, you know, to any, uh, anyone in my community that, that I'm engaged with, if you think there's someone that I should have audience with, let that be known and I will make myself available. Granted, there's 24 hours a day, I'm one person, but I, I rarely ever say no to an opportunity to engage and have a conversation with folks mm -hmm. uh, because that's the only way we're going to i, I won't say change the narrative that's the only way we're going to create a better experience moving forward uh, on both sides because i also need to hear what is occurring in my community i you know i i have no illusions that i as a chief know everything that's going on in my organization um but i can't bury my head in my office and think oh just because i don't have complaints just because i don't have lawsuits and all that type of thing that everything's going smoothly Right. That, that that's um that that's naive right uh, yeah, but exactly. if i get out and stay out in the community and i have conversations with folks and i sit down and talk to my staff about what's going on that's going to keep me truly informed uh as to what is really happening and then for the community uh that that is where that transparency comes in is that willingness to sit down uh about a month ago i i, I sat down uh to a meeting with a, a number of um uh service providers uh, that were not fond of, uh, of the police necessarily. And for an hour and 15 minutes, I, I, I listened. I, I did not say a single word, I, I listened. And when it finally came, you know, my turn, they even commented, wow, Chief, you, you, you took a lot. Yes, yes, I did. And, and my conversation with them was, okay, you guys identify as the leaders of these um, you know, marginalized and, and oppressed groups, um, you know, and I won't say in your opinion, right? Because that, that, that is their perception. So therefore that, that, that is their reality. Right. So I challenge them. I go, so what have you done or what are you willing to commit to do to bring those groups to the table so we can engage in this dialogue and, and have a better path forward? Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden there wasn't a whole lot, a whole lot of conversation because there was not defensiveness. There was not anything because again, I also have to go back to, I also challenge folks is what is our reality here in Redmond, right? We see the things that are going on across the nation and, and some of those things are, are, are appalling for sure. Uh, you know, as a, you know, a law enforcement professional, some of these things are, are disgusting. Yes. But what's going on in our community? Because we can, you know, we can wring our hands in disgust about things happening across the country, uh -huh. but that's not happening here. So we have to deal with our narrative and not that we can't learn from those things and put the things and systems in place to ensure that we don't have similar occurrences or similar outcomes. But don't, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, uh, I uh, can't think of the word I'm looking for. Uh, don't demonize, you know, me and, and my department because of something that occurred, you know, um, you know, halfway across the country. Right. 
makes perfect sense. I know uh, I was given a, a town hall before a group of high school kids a few years ago. And I gave the example of, you know, when you go to McDonald's, you get your French fries and every now and then you'll have one at the bottom that's a little burnt or soggy or whatever, that fry that you just throw out the window or you throw away that you don't eat or you mistakenly you're not paying attention to you eating. You taste like, oh, this one's bad. Yes, you always get those fries. But do you throw out the, the entire bunch of the fries that you have or do you continue eating the good ones? Yes. According to you, always here. There's always one bad apple in the bunch. Our job, our profession isn't perfect. We strive for perfection. Uh, we strive to eliminate the things that aren't as good either. Uh, but you, you got to recognize uh, that there's hope, that there's trying, and we're making significant differences. We've come out of COVID. We've come out of so many different things prior to COVID where, you know, this job is cyclic, where we go up and down. And for a while, it seemed like forever, we were down at the bottom. It looks like we're rising back up to that middle area where it's a lot of people are happy that we're there. But if they don't see us, if they don't need us, we're good. A couple times we're up real high where every one sees us like, hey, thank you for your service. But normally we range right here in that middle. And I think we're getting back to, to that and being able to be effective uh, while we're having these town halls, while we're engaging with the community and getting this dialogue out as well. So let me ask you this. Where throughout the nation, a lot of departments, first responders in any kind of field uh, for occupation, uh, for uh, work, period. We're having recruitment and retention problems. I know we discussed recruitment uh, a little bit here prior. Um, I know you, you what what kind of what are you looking for? How are you marketing to the kids coming out of high school? I'm sorry, young adults coming out of high school, young adults graduating colleges, young adults who are getting out of the military to, that are interested, that kind of have one toe in. Um, and, and like, I don't know if I want to do this. This job isn't too popular now, but they, they kind of need that little push. Uh, how are you marketing to them? And part two of that question is those officers that have their, their quiet quitting, they're burnt out. They're 15, 20, 25 years in the game. Uh, they could have a few more years left. They're good officers, but you could tell that they've just had enough. How do you still cope with them? How do you deal with them? That they, if, if they want to go, then go. Or if they can stay, how do you get those guys to stay on and still be um, a positive effect on society? Uh, so, Alice, I can't believe I don't think we do as good of a job as we can with that uh, younger um uh demographic or that younger population um we, we we've been very intentional in our recruiting we have uh, uh joint base lewis mccord here uh uh here in uh, washington so we've participated uh with them uh in some of their like um like lunch and learns okay. uh, some of their uh, job um, uh, placement programs mm -hmm. uh, i even went so far as to send uh, my recruitment team uh to uh hawaii uh last summer uh, to the military bases, uh, some of the uh, folks in that particular unit uh, have prior military service and they had the ability to get onto um, uh, some of the military bases. And so we, we established a relationship uh, mm -hmm. with them. Um, and then uh, for those uh, looking uh, uh, to separate from military service, at, at a certain point in time, they have to start uh, looking for jobs and that type of thing. So we created a relationship where we, we were able to uh, leave and send recruitment materials there. So as the soldiers um, are, are, you know, uh, uh, engaging in that process, uh, there's recruitment materials there because, of course, I can't send folks to Hawaii every year. So it was almost that was a one and done. But we had to capitalize as best we could on, you know, on that uh, investment. Uh, other things I've done is I've advertised uh, 
Uh, it is a Seattle area, so I have, I have advertised during uh, uh, Seattle Mariner uh, baseball games. Okay. Uh, so during the uh, pitching changes and some of the commercial breaks, we've actually run uh, our recruitment um, uh, video. Uh, okay. We were fortunate enough to uh, one of uh, my, my sergeants, uh, uh, a childhood friend, runs a production company. Uh, they wanted to do a uh, kind of like a docudrama type of thing. So uh, they, they filmed it here. They utilized some of our staff, but they produced a phenomenal uh, recruitment video for mm -hmm. us um, from that. So we, we've been able to utilize um, uh, that as well. For the existing officer, uh, as part of uh, uh, our collective uh, bargaining agreement, there was a, uh, a retention bonus that was uh, negotiated uh, for them. So they did uh, uh, get something, uh, you know, in this uh, last go around. Mm -hmm. um, I, I differ from, uh, I'll say, many chiefs in the sense of uh, the, the signing bonuses and those types of things. I'm, I'm not a uh, big proponent uh, mm -hmm. of, of those. Um, I understand it, it incentivizes, uh, you know, uh, individuals to come to work, but it, it, I, I think it also has um, another effect in the sense of uh, you could have a circumstance where folks are, uh, I'll say, bonus hopping, um, yeah. you know, and then I, I'm also a realist and, and it, it looks great on paper, you know, $20,000 signing bonus. But when you look at it, oftentimes it's, it's spread out over a period of time. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there, there's taxes involved. So 20 is not really 20. You know, depending on what your tax bracket is, 20 might be 13 uh, or, you know, uh, 20, you know, you get five here, you get five there, um, those types of things. So like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, we did um, tinker with it uh, a little bit and we were going to offer uh, a signing bonus. But again, I, I, I uh, we're a, a unionized uh, a workforce here. And so there was some uh, what I'll call uh, uh, drag. Uh, uh, with the labor union around it because uh, they were looking to, um, well, how do I describe? So they, they were like, "What what's in it for our existing members?" And we're like, "Okay, well, you do understand we're trying to get you know get more people hired, so your existing members you know don't have to we're not also don't have to work as hard, but they don't have to pull the extra shifts and the extensions of shifts and that type of thing. And this this may may help do that. They weren't you know we we didn't really see eye to eye on that, so they just kind of um, it, it, it remains a, a, a thought and idea and a concept. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So therefore, uh, <laughs> a lot of departments, actually, I spoke to um, a couple uh, uh, admin throughout the country and they, they're it's split down the middle on. Uh, and I know exactly what you're talking about for uh, bonus hopping um, or sign on hopping where uh, a lot of departments are 100% for it. A lot of departments are, are not, uh, they're uh, totally against it. And I understand because then you, like you said, $20,000 isn't, you don't get that right up front. Uh, if you do, you get, it's taxed and there's commitments involved where you, you don't just get it. And then you have free will with the department. It's you sign on, you get that money. You're, you're required to stay there for a certain amount of time. I know a lot of new recruits may not understand that just because um, they may not have been out in the workforce that long or understand how employment works and understand how the money works. Uh, but once you, you make that commitment, you, you make that commitment for a, a few years. I don't want to each department's different a few years. And if you break that commitment, then you have to pay that money back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So therefore, how is your community, uh, it, you talk about community engagement, we talk about that uh, on this platform often. Um, do you require or suggest 
officers get out into the community and, you know, engage with the community if they have to get out and, and play a basketball game or do, um, um, of course, this national night out. You got what it stop with the cop, um, coffee with the cop, so many different things. Do you engage in those community style events as well? Uh, we do. And, and that, that is uh, one of uh, the, you know, the, the areas they talk about, you know, uh, lead from the front. Uh, you know, I'm very active in our, in our community. Um, you know, and I won't say I have the luxury of it, but I, I feel that that is uh, part of my responsibility and obligation uh, as the uh, department head uh, is to be out there in the community. Uh, and, and we posted uh, so the officer that's assigned in that particular district knows that there is a community event that's going on in their area and they are encouraged to, to stop by, you know, uh, call load dependent. And I'm not suggesting that we're, you know, we're going from call to call and there's no free time. There is. Um, so as they can to, to pop by. And then for a number of our um, uh, bigger uh, events, you know, in the city, uh, they have officers that are assigned, uh, you know, to those events. Um, so, yeah, we, d we definitely encourage, you know, uh, that type of participation. Uh, we do have some officers that are engaged, um, you know, with uh, youth activities. Uh, you know, one of my officers um, uh, uh, is participating with one of the high school uh, football uh, programs and uh, he runs like the scoreboard and, and the AV stuff. And so, you know, there's different ways, you know, uh, to in fact uh, get involved. Uh, we have a huge uh, car show uh, here uh, in our town center uh, every Saturday morning. Uh, and, you know, we show up and we use that as an opportunity for um, engagement and education uh, around, you know, modified exhaust and, and different things like that. So it's not just, hey, oh, we know where there's going to be a place where you can write a bunch of tickets. It's like, no, let's go engage with the community and educate them as to why they can't, you know, put these things in their car and the noise and that type of thing. And, and that part's really appreciated. So, you know, it's really about that, um, uh, you know, that intervention, that education, uh, you know, part and piece of it. Uh, you know, we can get to enforcement, right? That, that, that's the easy part, right? Yeah. How, how we, we engage with our community so we don't get to the point, uh, you know, of enforcement. Exactly. And that's what they, it breaks up the mundane as well. You know, uh, you, you go to calls, uh, you clear calls, you, you make traffic stops, you clear traffic stops. It, it seems like a cycle. So therefore, when you're engaging with the community, it builds the trust. It builds the, the visibility of both um, the, the community and the officer. You can have those discussions, not even in a town hall forum. You can have them in a more, I hate to say realistic setting, but I, I, a more community active setting where you can engage still. Oh, OK, this is a car show. I can learn something about the law. I can learn something about this police officer and I can enjoy the car show as well. So you have the kind of the trifecta going on. Right. Yeah. So I had a sidebar question. A former guest on the show, uh, Derek Dotson, uh, uh, saw th that um, you were on here. He wanted me to ask a question on uh, your thoughts on uh, he's got a, he's been on here twice now with his children's book, uh, The Police and Me. And he's also got a platform, uh, uh, The Black Sanctuary. Uh, what are your thoughts or visions on engaging with him or his vision with the children's book or engaging with the community in, in whole or in part with that? Uh, I'd be all for it. I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna throw. Our, I'll say our boy because obviously you, you know, I'm gonna throw our boy uh, Derek under the bus. Uh, <laughs> when he, when his book came out, I reached out to him. I'm still waiting for my signed copy, Derek. So when you hear this uh, podcast, man, I, I, I still need my copy of the book. Uh, uh oh. Uh oh. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I've uh, you know uh, talked with uh, 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 Derek. Uh, I, I love his, uh, you know, his his message uh, mm -hmm. and, and how he comes about, and I'm more than uh, willing and. and uh, uh, 
wanting to part, you know participate with him uh, it's just a matter of uh connecting the dots as a matter of fact uh uh he i and and the uh chief uh, over in uh bellevue uh okay. we will be really part uh participating in the uh youth law and justice forum here uh later next month this uh uh, long running has been going on, I want to say 33 years. Uh, and it was from uh, one of our uh, African American uh, judges, uh, juvenile judges uh, here uh, yeah, in the Washington area. So uh, Derek and I will have the uh, opportunity to uh, uh, collaborate uh, you know, in this community event. Uh, and so when I see him, I'm going to give him a bad time for uh, calling me out uh, on, on your podcast. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Hey, that's how I appreciate it. You know, uh, it, it, one hand washed the other, both washed the face. Either way, it gets done. <laughs> he hit me up. Uh, when was this? Today? Earlier today? So I, it, I, I, I learned uh, about you um, by doing research on LinkedIn. It wasn't a connection through him, uh, and to find out how much of a small world it is because he's already been on the show as well. I'm like, wow. You know, nationally, I'm I'm meeting individuals and getting them on the show, and you guys are, are already uh, engaged with each other. Yep. Perfect, perfect. Well, there he is. Hey, he asked the question, and you you threw him under the bus, Derek. He's still waiting for a signed copy, so I don't know what to say. All I did was ask the question. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by. We're jumping to another starting be safe cartoon, and we will jump right back into this interview. You guys, stand by. Your Honor. We have undeniable evidence that Chance Wilder attempted to hack into multiple bank accounts and steal money. We request the maximum penalty. That's right, Your Honor. Chance Wilder is a menace to society, and we must put an end to his hacking shenanigans. Junction, Your Honor. My client is innocent until proven guilty. We believe there's been a misunderstanding. Chance Wilder is a misunderstood genius, not a criminal. Order in the court. Let's hear the defense's case. Your Honor, I present to you Chance Wilder's latest creation, the Hacker Helper 3000. This incredible software was designed to protect innocent people from cyber threats. Chance's intentions were pure. Objection, Your Honor. This is just a ploy to distract us from the real issues at hand. Indeed, Your Honor. We even have evidence of Chance Wilder's hacking attempts. He's gone so far to have left the digital signature saying, catch me if you can. Chance Wilder, I've heard both sides of the story. Hacking is illegal. Since you like to take wild chances, I sentence you to community service where you use your skills for good, helping organizations protect themselves from cyber threats. Man, no money and community service. Shut up and take the deal. Well, there's another good job done by our district attorney, just in case. It was a team effort. And there you go, folks. Justice was brought to Chance Wilder, but I'm pretty sure he'll be up to his shenanigans again. So tune in and that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.
And we are back. I see you, Seti P. Good evening to you, too. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys tag, like, and share. We're back here with the interview. Got Chief Daryl Lowe, Redmond Police Department in, in Seattle, Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we had we discussed training, and, and I'm sorry, we discussed, discussed recruitment and retention. We discussed community service. We discussed so many different things. His department is hiring. He has a website below. Uh, it's also in the comment section. If you're looking to get into law enforcement and you're in that area make sure like he said do your research because not every department is for everybody we can consistently say that throughout uh the nation with each and individual departments uh we discuss a lot of things chief uh do um conversation i may have forgot to ask a question or i may have jogged your memory on something that you may have wanted to touch on is there anything else that you wanted to respond on right now the floor is yours no, I'm just, uh, you know, honored to, to be here, uh, you know, on your platform and uh, have the opportunity to, uh, you know, share with, uh, you know, with your audience. Um, it's, it's been a phenomenal, uh, you know, 30 plus uh, year career in law enforcement. I've been uh, fortunate, like I said, to work for two uh, outstanding departments and two uh, outstanding communities and now have the uh, opportunity to, um, you know, lead a department and um, I'll say, you know, impact and, uh, you know, influence uh, both this community uh, and help the uh, careers of the, you know, women and men, uh, you know, who work for me. Uh, and again, just uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for making yourself available and coming on the platform. Uh, good luck to you and your department. Good luck to your community. I hope you're able to fill those slots. I hope you guys are able to meet uh, um, the expectations that you set forth and the visions that you have moving forward. I hope you guys are able to flourish. Uh, and are very prosperous and, and being a premier department within the community itself. Thank you for making yourself available. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Black and Blue. This is the platform where we highlight individuals that are first responders or in law enforcement officials in this community, whether they're rookie, whether they're seasoned, whether they're retirees. We talk about their trainings, their experiences, and their publications. So therefore, we go live weekly at 7 p.m. once a week, and we have another, another guest coming on next week. I'd like to tell you who he is, but I'm not going to because I want you guys to tune in and make sure you guys tag, like, and share, and watch the show. If you're looking to get in law enforcement, this is your podcast. If you're looking to know more about law enforcement or humanize the badge or have questions about experiences or situations, this is your podcast. If you've if you already been in law enforcement and you're already retired, you got life after the badge and we know how wonderful that is, and you're looking to hear more stories, read more books, publications on that, this is your podcast too, all right? Make sure you guys tune in. We appreciate you. We will be going live again next week with a special guest. So this is Coach Clee, your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker saying thank you. We love you. 10-4, over and out. Look at all the pretty butterflies in the sky. I guess I'll just cross the street here. Oh good, lights green. I'm glad I can go. Oh my gosh, watch out. Start to be safe, be small baby. Megan, watch out for that car! I got gotcha. you. <gasps> oh, jeez. I didn't even see that car coming. Oh my gosh. Are you two okay? Yes, we're okay. Megan, you have to do a better job paying attention. I just wanted to cross the street. 
I didn't see you walking there. Megan, you just can't cross in the middle of the street. You have to go to the intersections and use the proper crosswalks. Wait for traffic to clear and then go. If you don't follow these simple directions, you could get a ticket for jaywalking or worse, be hit by a car and seriously injured. I'll be more careful from now on. Ooh, look at the other butterfly. Oh my goodness. Sergeant B says you are the best. This is very true, thank you very much. I did have to turn on supersonic beast mode to jump and get Megan out of the way. Remember folks, look both ways before crossing the street and wait till the intersection's clear and cross at the crosswalks. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.